There's a powerful process that can transform the impact of all leaders, regardless of their area of influence. Hey, it's Dustin, and you're listening to another episode of The Burleson Box. Today on the show, we welcome Brooke Cups, teacher and head basketball coach at Centerville High School in Centerville, Ohio. His book, Surrender the Outcome, The Path to an Impactful Life of Coaching, Leading, and Living, shows readers how to gain self-awareness, clarify your purpose, enact courage, and build your personal standards. And through this process, you'll discover how you can live an intentional life that magnifies your impact on all those around you. Coach Cups is in his 23rd year as head coach and 12th season at Centerville. In the classroom, he leads students in two leadership classes for which he wrote the curriculum. His foundational leadership class focuses on leading oneself, while transformational leadership explores how to best lead others. Coach is a graduate of Graham High School, has an undergraduate degree in secondary math education from Capital University, and earned his master's degree in educational leadership from the University of Dayton. On the court, Cups has earned several Coach of the Year honors, while guiding his Centerville teams to multiple Sweet 16 and Elite 8 appearances. His 2021 team recorded a school record 26 wins on the way to the Division I State Championship, the first in school history. In addition to his time at Centerville and Graham, Cup spent five summers helping coach the North Coast Blue Chips, where his son Gabe teamed up with Roddy James. The Chips were a national sensation in the grassroots basketball world from 2014 to 2019, winning two youth national championships along the way. He now coaches the 17 and under Midwest basketball club team playing on the Adidas circuit. The 2021 NBC team finished 35 and 5 as a top 10 team in the nation. Cups also teaches leadership and writes a weekly blog at bluecollargrit.com. Coach Cups resides in Centerville, Ohio with his wife Betsy, daughter Allie, and son Gabe. I'm so excited to welcome Coach Cups to the show to discuss his book, Surrender the Outcome. The path to an impactful life of coaching, leading, and living. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. Are you trying to increase your treatment plan close rates while also increasing revenue? How can you do both for your dental practice without burning out an already burdened staff? The answer remote dental monitoring. You need a trusted HIPAA-compliant app that helps you and your staff work smarter, not harder. This needs to be an easy-to-use, easy-onboard app that your patients will find fun to use and will increase their engagement and success with aligners. You need the InHand Dental app. The InHand Dental app allows you to engage with your patients in real time, send individual and batched messages, and solve problems to increase compliance without using up chair time. The result? Happy patients, happy staff, and happy practices. With more revenue and the ability to do more starts. With prices starting as low as $149 a month, it's perfect for a growing aligner business. Check us out and learn more at InHandDental.com. Plus, mention Burleson for a 20% off discount on your subscription when you contact us. That's InHandDental.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to welcome Coach Brooke Cups to the program. Coach Cups, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. 
came across your book, Surrender the Outcome, The Path to an Impactful Life of Coaching, Leading, and Living, and I loved it. Thanks for writing it. I'm curious, kind of for listeners who may not be familiar with your story, tell us a little bit about your coaching history and why you wrote this great book. Yeah, so the book was not was not something I had planned to do. It's really kind of a, a personal fable, I guess, a leadership fable based on my growth from how I used to view leading and coaching to how I view it now. When I just decided to over COVID, I was like, I'm going to try to write some of this stuff down. And then I got to got into a habit of writing every morning for four or five hours. And you do that for a while and you, you got a lot of stuff. And then, you know, Ryan Hawk actually prompted me to actually put it into a book because I was just going to kind of keep it for myself. And uh, he encouraged me to, to do that. And, you know, that kind of set me on a, on just a new challenge. I, I like to do hard things and uh, writing a book and making it a book and then self-publishing it was definitely fell into that category in a different way than I usually, I usually approach it. So, you know, I really hoping somebody else went through what I went through and I wasn't the only one that struggled with my, uh, with really my purpose and reason for doing what I was doing uh, when I was younger. I love your blog. We'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes. It's excellent for everyone, but particularly for leaders. And the book has received a lot of high praise from professional coaches and leaders across the spectrum. I'm curious, how has your leadership changed? How has your process as a coach and as a leader changed throughout the years? I, really, it just came. It, it's it's grown from becoming transactional to transformational, to be um, cliche with kind of the the leadership jargon around it. But, you know, when I first started coaching, it was really about me, my ego and me winning. And I, looking back, I mean, I basically just prostituted kids for their talent to get uh, what I wanted out of it and to try to win more games. And to be honest, was, was okay. Won, won some games and, you know, was remotely successful by that metric but I, you know, I kind of went through a what I would consider rock bottom, but I just had had kind of a revelation that I, I could not keep doing it that way and had to find a different way of doing it. And I, I went to, I went to an athletes in action clinic and Dick Bennett, who was the longtime coach at Wisconsin, was speaking and he talked about his five pillars. Uh, his son's the coach at Virginia now, but talked about his five pillars and how really that was the entire reason he coached and how he just wanted to convey those things to his team and to his players and have them move forward in life with those. And that really, I mean, that registered a ton for me. And so then I just started saying, thinking like, well, what are my, I mean, I had no idea what my, my core values were, my pillars were. So then it just sent me on this kind of like, you know, personal, personal crusade to try to figure out, you know, what I wanted to give the people that were in my life rather than just living indifferent, try to try to live more intentionally. I want to get into core values because we have a lot of members and listeners who will hire us at Burleson Seminars to come on site and help them with strategic planning. And then sometimes say like, well, can't you just write our core values for us? <laughs> What's, right. I know you teach two classes at Centerville for the students you know, off the court as well on leadership. What's that like kind of helping people start to dig into you know, who, who you are and, and what you stand for and what, what's core to, to your person? Yeah, it's, I mean, it just has so much more meaning. I feel like every day I'm making a difference in kids' lives. You know, a lot of the stuff we do in the leadership class, we've been doing in our basketball program for a while, but 
it just makes you feel like you're contributing to their overall growth as a person rather than teaching them how to solve a quadratic equation. I was a math teacher before and it's <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of cool, but you know, it kind of leaves, leaves something out there. So I, I just think the, the feeling you get, it's, it, it fulfills me. And I think that's what I was missing when I was coaching just to try to get wins. It was like, you know, you get done. You're like, it's got, there's gotta be more than this. You win 18, 20 games. You're like, eh. And so having that, that new framework and that new perspective on it has allowed me to, to kind of stay invigorated and, and focused on uh, impacting kids. Can we talk about some of those core values? Cause they're so powerful. And I know that me personally, I think most listeners, can relate to a coach they had who changed their life, a teacher they had that changed their life. And I think yours are really powerful. Can we talk about some of those core values and how you've actually put those to work uh, both on and off the court? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to share those. Like, you know, I think back to the coaches that I had and like, I loved some of the coaches I played for coach Zeller was my high school basketball coach. And he had as big of an impact on me outside of my parents as anyone in my life. And but I, I don't know what his core values were. He never said them. I could guess just by being around him. But I think the clarity that core values provide is, I mean, it for me, it was life-changing. And so my core values come from the people that I admire. I always tell the kids in my class, like we admire people for the same reason we dislike people. Like we dislike people a lot of times because they don't align with the values that we hold very close to our to our hearts and what we believe in. And so the same is for those that we admired, like we look up to and admire people because they, they are living in a way that we aspire to live. And so a lot of times we look back at the people that we admire to see exactly who it is and uh, where those values come from. So for me, my values are tough, passionate, unified, and thankful. And tough is definitely from my dad. Um, Just was a grew up really poor, changed the direction of nobody in his family had ever gone to college. My, he, he chose to uh, enter the air force after high school. His dad was an abusive alcoholic and grew up, you know, come home beating his mom. And he just knew at that time he either had to change and go somewhere else, or he was going to do, he was going to end up in the same kind of in that same boat. And so that to me is like the ultimate sign of, of toughness is your ability to just change the course of what you're doing, what your family has always done. So not surprising. My brother and I are both teachers and coaches, which is what my dad was. So, um, you know, we definitely caught on and followed in those footsteps and our kids have opportunities that they would have never had without my dad kind of having the nerve and the courage to do what he did. Passionate is, uh, is for me, I guess we got, I've got behaviors that go with all these because I think that's really the most important thing. So for me, tough is positive body language. So I can't really talk about the value without talking about the behavior because the value is really nothing if you if you don't have the action that goes with it. So the way I try to live tough intentionally is I try to approach everything with positive body language and like kind of a, like an attacking mindset. So we say fight ready, like just think of a boxer going into the ring, like what that guy looks like. That's how I want to approach every day when I walk into class, when I walk into the gym with my guys, when I walk into a job interview, when I'm sitting down sitting down to do a podcast. Like I, I want to go at it uh, with the best that I got and might not be that good, but it's the best that I got. And so I just, I want to make sure I'm bringing that every time, but passionate is choosing extra work. It's just kind of who we are, who my family is. We're not the smartest, coolest, like best looking, but we will, 
we will work and we, we will are willing to put in a lot of extra time consistently in order to, to kind of give ourselves a chance. And so the, I just believe life success or, you know, achievement or being able to complete things is all done in the extra. Like I tell our kids all the time, like everybody practices two hours a day for a basketball team, a high school basketball team. So it's, you know, you're getting, you know, our practices will hopefully be better than some, but you're not getting that much of an advantage by doing that. It's what are you doing outside of that to be able to kind of continue moving forward. So it's all in the extra. And then unified is my next core value. Uh, for me, I am a very much a team person. I love, I love wolves. And so I always talk about wolves when I talk about unified because, you know, the Rudyard Kipling quote of the strength of the pack is the wolf and the strength of the wolf is the pack that I, I, that registers for me because I've never been great by myself, but within a group, within a team, like I, I can, I can lift others and I can be lifted. And so I, I view that as, as a big deal for us unified is speaking and acting with urgency. And so I think you got to honor the time that you have together, whether it's with your family or your team. I think part of the urgency is recognizing that that time is limited. And so don't be wasting it. Be like, you know, be intentional and, and be urgent with what you're talking about, what you're doing, what you're, um, what you're accepting from the people around you. And then thankful just a heart of gratitude to be grateful for where you are and what you're doing. And we say show love in our program and that's my core value and might do that by writing thank you notes or sending out texts every Thursday, or we, we talk about touches in our basketball program. So tough, passionate, unified, and thankful since I've gone to those core values and I just tell our players and that's what we want them to come out of our program with. And, that's how I want to live. That's how I can fulfill my purpose is by intentionally living those and inspiring others through those values. It's such a powerful thing to do as a leader and being clear on what you expect, right? I mean, I, I also think back, as you mentioned, to some great coaches I had and played for. And I don't know that I ever heard their core values. I, again, like you could guess, but man, what a what a clarifying moment to know this is what coach expects of me. And this is what he wants to see out of me, both on and off the field or court. It's just such a powerful thing. I think you can do as a leader is to just be clear on those. How, what's that like in your program? I, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about these early in before these kids even show up for the first tryouts, right? And is it continuous? What's that process like of how often are you talking about these reinstilling these and highlighting these in, in your program? Yeah. So I'm, I'm lucky at Centerville, we have a youth program. So, I mean, our kids are getting these in second and third grade. And wow. so it's, wow. it's tough, passionate, unified, and thankful for the next 12, 10 years of their, <laughs> of their basketball career. But uh, I always just tell people, if you think you're saying it enough, you're not like, it's just, it's just constant. It's like anything that you want to be intentional about. It's counter societal, in my opinion, to live that way and to operate that, that intentionally. And so it's something that you've got to consistently every day, numerous times a day, and you have to have systems built in within what you're doing. Um, so for each of those things in our basketball program, we have, you know, certain things that go to that speak to tough, like that's tough in our program. And so one of the early things we do is we'll, we'll just make a T chart and say, this is tough. This isn't tough. And 
let's talk about what that looks like, what it looks like in a team meeting, what it looks like in the weight room, what it looks like in practice, what it looks like in the classroom, what it looks like when you go home at night. And then, you know, we do that with every one of our core values and it gives our guys kind of an idea of like, okay, well, this is, this is what's expected of me in, in this venue and this setting. And we're not perfect at it. We screw it up all the time. And when we screw it up, we say, that's not tough. We're, we need to be better there. And so I, I just think it's, I think it's building those systems and then just constantly harping and holding people accountable, you know, in coaching, just like everything, like you, you don't get what you want, you get what you accept. And so if you, if you accept a guy complaining to officials for a bad call, you're going to get guys complaining to officials for a bad call. But if you don't accept that, they'll stop doing it. And so it's just a matter of what line do you want to hold? And we choose to hold those lines pretty strictly. That's fantastic. And I think for listeners who are you know, a lot of our small business owners and healthcare professionals leading teams, they, they almost all have core values on the wall or, you know, in an employee handbook, but very few have identified the behaviors. So one big takeaway already from our conversation is, have you identified the behaviors that go with each core value? And then have you called out, this is tough, this is not tough, right? So how would a tough person respond in this situation? I think I'm curious your thoughts. We've always viewed core values as helping our teammates respond to behave in ways when their supervisor or their boss isn't looking over their shoulder. You know, it gives them kind of a a yes or no green light, red light. Like this is how a tough person would respond. What what's your view on that? And then what do you do? I guess the second question: What do you do when you see someone not living up to those standards? Yeah, the, those are great, and I think that's exactly right. People. You know, I'll, I'll get people asking me about culture stuff because that's kind of what, you know, our program has become known for is just our culture and how our kids play and act. And it's really all just the extension of those core values. But culture gets way too big of a like this big kind of aura about it. Culture is just behavior. That's all it is. It's just how are you acting when they're when your boss is looking, when your boss is not looking like how are you acting like culture is just behavior. So I completely agree that it creates clarity around what the expectation is. As far as recognizing it and calling it out, we, I mean, we're very adamant about our players calling them out. We do it as coaches, obviously, but we want our players to be comfortable enough. Now that gets into a lot of, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff with Pat Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team and and building trust. And I, I think trust is built through laughing, crying, and suffering together. And so we try to give our guys a lot of opportunities to do those three things. And I, cause I think that builds the vulnerability based trust that Lencioni talks about. And when we struggle, it's almost always a violation or a lack of trust that we're struggling with. Uh, but we want our guys to call that out. And sometimes it's confrontational and sometimes it's not, but we need to get to the point where you can tell me that I'm not meeting the standard and I don't think you're just trying to call me out. You're trying to do what's best for the team. For us, that falls under unified, the speak and act with urgency. We tell our guys the most selfish act we can have on a team is you watching a below standard action and not addressing it because you're choosing your comfort over what you know is best for the team. And so when you're choosing your comfort over what's good for the team, you, you can't call it anything but selfish. That's what it is. And so you know, our guys are pretty good about it. It takes time, but the, I think the trust has to, the trust foundation has to be there in order for it to, for it to be received the right way. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. 
Dr. Burleson here. You've heard that real estate should be a part of every investor's portfolio, but maybe you're unsure where to start. My good friend and colleague, Dr. David Phelps, leads an investor community that has ditched the traditional Wall Street model for the stability of real estate assets. They are called Freedom Founders, and they do real estate really, really well. David's Freedom Blueprint reveals exactly how much you need to retire. Some of my top clients have done the program. They speak highly of David and his Freedom Blueprint. With the certainty of their passive real estate investments, Freedom Founders members are free to spend more time with family or even leave the practice altogether. David has put together some special resources for my listeners. To access, just text Dustin to 972-203-6960 or Go to freedomfounders.com forward slash Burleson. And now back to the program. It's so true. I want to go deeper on trust because I think a lot of us are maybe hesitant or fearful to to engage in a, an environment where you're a little vulnerable and you, like you said, laugh, crying, kind of suffer together. Uh, I'm curious if you still show Patch Adams and if that's part of some of these experiences you provide for your players. Can we go into that? Yeah, I definitely, I do show Patch Adams in leadership. Uh, we're, we're almost to it here. We're almost at the end of the semester. That's our kind of final uh, movie, our final kind of assessment. And we have him reflect on Patch Adams and talk about how, what, what do you think his values were? What do you, you know, my favorite thing about Patch Adams is just like the intention, not, not being indifferent. And I think that's the biggest message I want our kids in my class to take from that is, you know, like just be on fire for something, man. I don't care what it is. Just like be on fire for something. There's way too many people that are just indifferent people trying to figure out what, what the world needs and what the, they need you to be on fire. They need you to care about what you're doing. I think that's the, that's the biggest thing from the patch Adams movie. Yeah. It's such, it's a great example. And I think there's just, so many opportunities and I wanted to highlight that to, to bring teams together and let them see that through a film that maybe they haven't seen before. Certainly probably most young kids. I imagine, you know, I remember watching yeah. it when it came, can that dates me a little bit, but when it came out, yeah. of the theaters, right. It's, I think just smart to think of ways to engage a team other than just the coach or the leader standing in front of the group, you know, issuing dictates from on high, right. You know, like right. here's what we do and here's how we do it. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really, really smart. I love, you know, something you talk about is building your own personal standards as you share your core values and your standards. What's that like to see some of your players and students start to develop their own personal standards? Is it, I'm assuming that's very rewarding as a coach and teacher? Yeah, it definitely is because most of the time they've never even thought about it. Kids um, and adults, really. Most kids are living by the standards that their parents have held them to. They've never even thought about what's important to them. What do they value? What? Why do they do what they do? You know, the Joe Ehrman questions of why do you do what you do? Why do you, why do you do it the way you do it? How does it feel to be led by you? I think is an incredible question for a kid to, or for anybody to consider. And then how do you define success? Success for every kid is defined by the metrics of society. Uh, I want more money. I want a bigger house. I want a nice car. And it just, we've been shown over and over and over that does not lead to the same type of fulfillment. So helping kids understand that. And when that light bulb goes off and they start seeing, and then they start acting different and they start holding themselves to a different standard. I mean, it's as good of a feeling as you can get. And that's, I tell people, you know, like teaching and coaching is the best profession because I get to have those interactions and those conversations 
so many times and and I get to see the benefit of it so many times. Some people might get just get to see it with their kid if they're lucky. And I get, you know, teachers and coaches get that opportunity so often. It's uh, it's very rewarding. Very cool. I second that I get a, a chance to teach just part time as an adjunct. I saw a movie the other day that said adjunct is where the pay is zero and the respect is even less. <laughs> but I, I, I signed up for that. So I know what I was getting into, but man, it is such a rewarding, I get, I think I get more out of it than the students get out of it. And so if you're listening and have a chance to teach, I just want to echo coach cups's view on this, that it is one of the most rewarding things ever. And hopefully everyone listening is coaching their patients. It's really, I think, right. I think pretty, fact check me on this. I think doctor is just Latin for teacher. And right. And so yeah. if you're, if you're not taking that opportunity with patients to see them, you know, maybe change their own personal health standards and step up. Uh, it is a rewarding thing. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what, uh, as you have gone through this now, you know, I mean, many, many years, uh, I've been head coach for, I mean, several decades, I think now, by now, what, yeah. What are you seeing as trends for now? I'm, I'm kind of taking off the doctor hat and putting on the parent hat. There's a lot of people listening to this, probably most who have kids in their own life that are younger or in high school or maybe in college. You know, what trends do you see currently? I'm thinking of things like social media and a lot of peer pressure and things that are just amplified that maybe you and I didn't have to deal with when we were younger. What what trends are you seeing as a coach that are positive or maybe trends that are negative? And, and how are you combating those? How are you helping parents be the most supportive they can be in the lives of their children? It's a broad question, but particularly as it comes to this idea of personal standards. And I think maybe we just specifically maybe pick on social media for a minute because it seems to be kind of a challenge right now with our, with our, uh, with our generation. Yeah, there's, there's no question things are different. You know, the social media, the place that I see it having the biggest impact on kids is comparison. Like it leads them to compare what's going on in their life to like the absolute best Photoshop version of what's going on in somebody else's life. And so I think it makes really, it makes what we talk about all that more important is that you can have the, you know, the ability to detach from that, the ability to define success on your terms. The kids in general haven't changed that much in 25 years of coaching. Uh, they still want to be challenged. They still want to Fulfill, fulfilled from doing hard things. Uh, the camaraderie with other other people is a huge factor for kids. They need that that kind of kinship and and you know the what a team brings together. But you know the social media stuff puts a major puts a major stressor on that because it's so easy to to accept you know to assess like yourself against somebody else, and so. We do a lot of different things. I mean, the main thing, though, I think a lot of people spend time going outside of themselves and worrying about what what everybody else is doing and trying to get. I mean, I'll take something as simple as bullying, for example. Bullying is is a big deal. Like it, it is harmful to the kids that are the victims of it. But what is more harmful is the 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 kid who gives that bully power and voice in his life. That's the bigger problem. And so talking to kids, I, I prefer to, to think about it as like, I want to help the kid at the root of the problem, which is believing in yourself, figuring out who you are, what do you believe in? 
And who are you going to give a voice in your life? Because everybody doesn't deserve a voice in our life, right? I think um, Eleanor Roosevelt has a great quote that says, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And for me, like that, that's what I want kids to come out of here with. Like, yeah, there are people, bullying is a real thing, but we don't have to give them a voice either. Like we, we don't, we don't have to allow that to be true, to, to impact us. And so trying to help kids from that perspective is something that I, I see, I see as it having a lot, a lot more profound effect longer term than some of the other approaches to it. That's a really wise approach. I am. Um, I'm curious. I was reading your blog post. I, I love your blog, by the way. I'd, I'd encourage anyone you know who wants to have a bigger impact on on employees and patients to to dig into coaches blog and uh the recent post was on abundance versus scarcity and i was just like slow clapping like i just like, <laughs> like every word i'm like yes do, do you ever run up against parents or maybe other teachers who maybe just don't have this similar mindset and, and vision and you know i'm thinking of maybe an employee who's like oh they're gonna start talking about this self-help stuff and maybe they just i think often didn't have any of that as a child they weren't poured into and and supported. And how do you, if you've had that, how do you address it? I guess, I don't know if overcome it's the right question, but how do you approach yeah. parents or players that are skeptical? Yeah, you definitely get it. I would, I just, I'm much better at it now than I was five years ago. And hopefully I'll be better five years from now. I think the, I think the answer is grace. Like that's okay. If you're not, you're not there, you don't understand it it's, and you don't agree with it. That's okay. Like it's, I'm, I'm not even saying I'm right all the time. I'm just saying this is what I've seen and what's worked best for me. And, uh, you know, the, the funny thing is like, I'll get parents and I'll get, you know, there'll be staff members or, you know, people around that won't agree with it. It's hardly ever the kids. I like, I'm just with the kids so much and we go through so many different things together by the time they're done, they get it. And so it's, uh, that part of it is what I think probably, allows me to keep doing it consistently and, you know, you know, hold fast and stay true to, to that, the, that approach and the, uh, the core values and in going about it, the way that we go about it. Um, and so I don't know that it's the old Chinese proverb when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear That's there's not ready yet. It's okay. hundred percent, hundred percent. What's it like? I know you talked outside of the core values. What's it like? coming to work for you. You've got an amazing program with assistant coaches. Is there a process by how you choose with whom you choose to associate yourself? What's that, what's that like? If someone says, I want to be on coach cups, team, uh, as a, as an assistant coach, how are you determining who gets to be in your orbit? Yeah, I'm pretty intentional about that. That's probably within the last 10 years that that's something I've become way, way more intentional about, uh, because I realize the impact that it has on me. I want to be around people that challenge me um, and, and don't, I mean, don't agree with me all the time and are willing to tell me what they think um, because I, I want to continue growing and getting better too. And so you don't have to share my core values, but you have to be open to them. Like you have to see value in being tough, passionate, unified, and thankful. You really shouldn't share my core values. They should, you should have your core values, but you know, the, those values of our program need to be something that you find important and you think will move kids forward. 
that's probably, I mean, I think I've fired three coaches in, in my, in my time at Centerville, which has been 12 years. And it's been because of kind of those core values. They didn't, they didn't line up with them and they didn't really believe in them. We're consistent with uh, implementing them with our players. And it's, you know, it's not good or bad. It's just, you got to go like, this ain't the place for you. I don't know where is the place for you. I'm sure there is a place, but this ain't it. Yeah, I've always found that interesting how slow we are sometimes to help someone yeah. go start their next chapter when in reality it might be the best thing you ever did for some of those coaches right. is to help them find the place where they will be a, a high contributor, right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think it's um we, I I I I had that struggle for many years like, oh, you know, I think it's maybe admitting failure like that i hired the wrong person or that i didn't support them right in the way they should have been sweet so you keep these people on and they're probably thinking the same thing like god i wish i can this guy just yeah uh it's wild so i could talk to you all the favor exactly right (laughs) we used to joke and say when one of us when we had like a a interpersonal conflict right when i i sold my practices in 2021 to a private equity group but it was Burles and Orthodontics, and we would joke and say, one of us has to go. Now, my name is on the building, so I, <laughs> I right. have to stick around. Uh, but I'm not sure that I'm not the one who has to go, but unfortunately, we're not changing the sign. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. I, I want to talk a little bit about how, obviously, we're going to put a link to the book in the show notes. We'll put a link to your blog. But uh, anyone who listening who thinks, boy, I'd like to learn more about this. I like to follow maybe what you're thinking and writing next. Um, where's the best, best place uh, for people to, to, to follow you and maybe what, what you're doing next. And again, I hats off to Ryan Hawk. All the things you guys have done have just been super, super impressive, but uh, maybe just give you a chance to brag on yourself and talk about what's next and where people can find more about you. Yeah. The, uh, the best place to probably find stuff in the blog is uh, blue collar grit dot com. That's where I post the blog and the blog really was, I mean, it started out same kind of thing. I, I had never written, I mean, I'm a basketball coach and (laughs) I mean, I, and so Ryan encouraged me to do it and I started doing it and it was very therapeutic for me. Like it was a, it was a way for me to get my thoughts out of my head and just get them down on paper. And so then I, I'm kind of a disciplined, like consistent junkie. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to write one every week. And so I've kept that up. Um, for a few years now. And, and it's been good. Sometimes I have, you know, something will happen like the abundance and scarcity thing. I think I heard somebody say that at church and I was like, ah, that's a, that'd be a good, that'd be a good topic. And so sometimes they come like that and sometimes it's something that's frustrating me. And, uh, but it's been a very, it's been very good for me. And if I'm being honest, most of the time I'm writing them to get it out of my head. And, you know, it's, it's humbling that, you know, it registers with other people and people find it helpful. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But the the other thing that's getting ready to happen is Ryan and I co-authored a book called The Score That Matters, talking a lot about your internal scoreboard and how, um, you know, we get sucked into the societal uh, external scoreboard a lot, whether it's wins for a coach or it's uh, it's money or, you know, status, whatever, whatever it might be. Just talking about how the, uh, you know, the more fulfilling way of approaching life is through an internal scoreboard and there's a lot of work you got to do to get there um, to kind of set that scoreboard up. And we kind of go through different things that I've experienced through coaching and Ryan through all of his interviews and his experience playing sports. It was an, it was an interesting operation, you know, co-authoring, but you know, Ryan's awesome. It was great to work with and it was, it was a good time. I learned a lot from him. 
along the way and, you know, looking forward to, to the book being released. Yeah, we're going to continue the conversation with Ryan Hawk in a, in a forthcoming interview and talk more about that new book. And I couldn't agree more. We are so frequently chasing the wrong score, the wrong metric, uh, you know, and then we get to a point in our life and go, man, well, what, what was that about? Right. Yeah. I've been consulting. I've, I've sat across the desk from way too many 65 year old multimillionaires who at some point in the conversation tear up and need a tissue because their kids won't talk to them. They're on their third marriage and they're just frustrated and depressed, even though they're financially successful, they chase the wrong metric. And uh, you're right. It's a lot of work to set up the scoreboard and the book is fantastic. I appreciate it. I always tell people like everybody's going to realize it at some point, like everybody's going to just hopefully you got some days left before you do like might as well, might as well figure it out now. But I think I, I truly believe everybody right realizes at some point in their life. hundred percent, hundred percent. Coach cups has been such an honor to speak with you. Thanks for writing the books and thanks for all you're doing and thanks for coming on the program. It was a blast. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. Dustin. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burleson Box. And a special thank you to Coach Cups for coming on the show. If you like what you heard, please share us with a friend or colleague. You can subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use to consume your podcasts. And be sure to tune in each month where we'll dive into more management, marketing, and leadership lessons right here inside another episode of the Burleson Box. the last time you evaluated your credit card processing statement. Our partners at Stacks are offering a free savings analysis for our listeners, where they will actually take your merchant statement with your current processor and show you where you're overpaying. Stacks has saved orthodontics practices over 40% per month on payment processing costs. So don't wait. Get your free savings analysis today and see how much you're overpaying for your credit card processing. Go to stackspayments.com forward slash Burleson dash seminars to schedule your savings analysis today. Plus, as a special offer for our podcast listeners, if you sign up today, you can get your first two months of payments processing costs waived from Stacks. Once again, that's stackspayments.com forward slash Burleson dash seminars. Stop overpaying. Start saving.